If you're enjoying this episode, check out Fearless Fridays with Marianne, the podcast to help you transform past pain into present power so that you can heal your inner child and reshape your future. I am your host, Marianne Rivera Dannert in Rochester, New York. My mission is to see women worldwide live a free, fearless, and fabulous life. Subscribe to Fearless Fridays with Marianne on the Jazzcast Pros Network, available right here on your favorite podcast player. And remember, you are a priority and you matter. Jazzcast Pros. I'm going to talk about how to tap into the mental health network. We talk about mental health all the time. Um, We talk about self-care, therapy, mindfulness, meditation, but I've never given you the how-to steps to actually finding mental health help. This episode is all about finding the help you need, where to get it, and we're going to talk about some things like how long it may actually take for you to find the help that you need. When it's more of a mental health issue or concern versus mental illness issue or concern. Unfortunately, so many people wait until they are in high stage three or stage four and need medical intervention immediately. So where do you get help? What stage do you start making phone calls and finding a therapist? In today's podcast, we're going to talk about the four stages of mental health and where the best time is to get the help that you need, and also how to actually find a therapist or a counselor or someone to talk to. Welcome to Living the Front Seat Life. I'm your host, Kelly Marie, and I invite you to take this journey with me. We're going to be talking about all things mental health and emotional well-being. You see, I am a overcomer. If you are interested in figuring out the path for you to determine how and where you will drive your future, this is the place to be. We get to determine the ride. We may not get to determine the weather or who's on the road with us or if it's going to be a scenic route or not, but we are the drivers. So join me on this ride living the front seat life. Welcome to Living the Front Seat Life podcast. I am your host, Coach Kelly Marie, recording from Buffalo, New York. It is a beautiful day. The sun is shining. And I am so excited to say those words. The sun is shining in Buffalo. So today we are going to talk about finding help. I often talk about the fact that we need to get help, that you may need someone to talk to. I always give you the suicide prevention helpline and 211 for support, but I never go through exactly how to find help. So I encourage you to share this episode. Listen, like it, subscribe. You can leave comments. I'd love to hear from you. You know, spread the word, share the word, let people know what's happening here at Front Seat Life and what you're getting out of the podcast. And of course, I want to know too. Now, I want to talk about the four stages of mental health and I want to touch on them because we often wait until things are so far gone that it's an emergency, right? That we're in crisis, but there are different points of our lives, different points of our mental health journey where we can get help that we need. If you take care of it early on, 
it's much easier to deal with. It's much easier to cope. You need less interventions versus waiting and it getting worse. And when it gets worse, that means you have to do more in order to get back to that healthy space. So the first of the four steps, and these steps come from the National Mental Health Association. Um, you can find their information online. They have local chapters, but um, this comes from the national office. So stage one of the mental health continuum, right, is you are dealing with mild symptoms and warning signs. These are going to be your initial realizations that maybe you're not sleeping well or you may be experiencing, you know, heart palpitations for the first time. Mild symptoms, you know, they're not interrupting your life, but you notice that they are there. They don't usually last long, but maybe when you're in a stressful situation, they become more noticeable to you. So that's stage one. You get mild symptoms and warning signs. Stage two, your symptoms increase in frequency and severity, and it, they start to, to interfere with your life activities. So maybe you um, start canceling plans or you're coming in late to work. It doesn't happen all the time, but you notice that you're not sleeping at all and you start drifting off to sleep at four o'clock and you know your alarm goes off at six, right? Because of the symptoms that you're dealing with, you're not able to live your full life. So the beginning interference is not a serious disruption. That occurs in step three. So in step two, you have your symptoms begin to increase in frequency and severity. So they're coming more often and they're more severe. So if you're having some anxiety or you're crying and maybe you are in the beginning stages of a depressive episode, um, these are types of things that you'll, you'll begin to see and they'll affect your life, but not on a great scale. You, you still kind of maybe thinking that things are manageable. You know, this is something that'll pass. Yes, it's interfering, but, you know, it's not interfering to a point where you are going to lose your job. Now, stage three, your symptoms worsen and you get this relapsing recurring of episodes. And that's accompanied by serious disruption of life. So you are missing work or you're becoming reclusive. You're staying in the house. You're separating yourself from your friends and your family. Let me just say, depending upon the mental illness or mental health condition, there's going to be different symptoms. And we've talked about that a little bit in some other episodes, but everyone is different. And even, you know, dealing with the same diagnosis, same issue, it's going to look different in different people. So you have to consider what you personally are going through and what you personally are experiencing as signs and symptoms. And also, what that serious disruption of life looks like, but it will definitely be noticeable. Now, when it comes to the relapsing recurring piece, relapsing means that, you know, there's a disappearance of, of signs and symptoms and recurring means that they come back. So you're in this ebb and flow, this in and out of having symptoms come and go. I know for me, when experiencing a depressive episode, I um, am very tearful and will cry at commercials or songs or, you know, chip paint, like I'm serious. It doesn't matter what it is. I'll see something and it will just bring tears to my eyes. So I know that is for me somewhere between stage two and stage three, depending upon that disruption piece. 
So because of, and again, I'm just using myself as an example, because I have a therapist, I have a nurse practitioner that prescribes medication, I have peer support, I have some systems in place so that when I get to stage, you know, 1.5 or stage two, I know to start kicking in and really utilizing my support systems so that I don't get to stage three and stage four. Now, I haven't been in stage three um, or stage four, and we'll talk about stage four in just a moment, in many, many years. I still deal with symptoms. I still have issues. They still interfere with my life at times. I do have ebb and flow, um, that relapsing and recurring of episodes, but they're not severe. They're not really disrupting my life in a great way. So I hover, I stay really in two. Two is, is my resting place. That's my baseline. Sometimes I'm in one, but really for me, I kind of live in two. But remember, I live with a mental illness. Well, a couple, but primarily um, borderline personality disorder. So something like that is something that never goes away. But when it comes to depression, depression will fall into that relapsing, recurring kind of episodic situation. So that's stage three. Your symptoms worsen and you begin to see relapsing and recurring episodes, and it's accompanied by serious disruption of life. Now, stage four is crisis mode. Your symptoms are constant and are severe, and they jeopardize your life. Unfortunately, so many people wait until they are in high stage three or stage four and need medical intervention immediately. One of the things here at Front Seat Life that I always encourage people to do is to get help early on when it's more of a mental health issue or concern versus mental illness issue or concern. Because as you know, there is a difference. So now that we have those four stages, I want to really talk about where in those four stages you get help. You may not recognize the stages. You may not know, you know where you are in the stages because you just learned about them. Um, and you might be looking to help a family or friend, right? You may notice that someone is experiencing an ebb and flow of symptoms, right? They may be in stage three and not even realize that there's something wrong. That happens. It happens a lot, unfortunately. And with February being Black History Month, one of the things I want to really encourage people to do and have been encouraging people to do, and I encourage you to do the same, is to create new history. Create new history by developing a present of health, developing a present mindset of focusing on your mental health. When we look back and we talk about the stories of all these great Black folks and the work that they've done and how they changed the world, it started with a small step. We are in the position to be able to create a better future. That means we're creating history. You can create history by focusing on your mental health, by empowering your family and friends to do the same thing, so that when our children's children's children look back on who we are and what we contributed to life, they have a foundation of health. What more could we ask for, right? That is an incredible legacy to live behind. So I encourage you truly to begin to focus on your mental health. So where do you get help? Where do you get the assistance you need? What stage do you start making phone calls and finding a therapist? 
I believe that you can use therapy at any stage of life. You don't even have to be at stage one with mild symptoms and warning signs. Therapy is for everybody and you can use it at any time. But stage one, stage two, stage two is when you have those symptoms and they begin interfering with your life. You want to catch it before it starts interfering with your life and your life activities. So stage one, when you have those mild warning signs and mild symptoms, that's when you want to start getting help. Get help in the beginning before it's exacerbated, before you are in crisis mode, before you are um, missing work and, and missing out on life activities, before all of that stuff happens is the time to get help. Now, get help at any point in your journey. But if you're being proactive and you're wondering, maybe I should get some help, it's time to get some help. So where do you go? What do you do? Who do you call? Who do you talk to? So if you're in stage one, you don't have a mental health diagnosis, um, you know, a psychiatrist, which is a medical doctor, is not really going to be your first step. You want to look for a uh, psychotherapist, a psychologist, a mental health counselor, a licensed mental health social worker or licensed social worker, clinical social worker. Those are the types of titles that people will have when you are looking for someone to talk to, right? This is your talk therapy uh, type of situation. There's also peer support. Some locations have peer support. For example, I am a peer support specialist. And so what I do as a peer support specialist is I help people. Then some of my clients have therapists and we will work together to implement the things that um, the therapists are suggesting in their sessions. But peer support specialists use their lives and their experiences to better help those that they're working with. So that's another option for you as well. How do you find them? Just dial 211 on your phone and they will be able to give you some organizations that specialize in peer support, especially larger organizations in mental health services. But the first place you can go to find someone to talk to is to talk to your primary care physician. They're your doctor. They know your story. They, you know, they've got all your test you know, results and you've been there through sometimes thick and thin. Start with your primary care physician. Now, they'll be able to give you a recommendation on someone to call. They may give you a list. A lot of them have the ability to go into their system and pull up a list of people you can call. And if you don't have a primary care physician, I'm going to suggest that you get one. They're great in your mental health, well, not even mental health, but in your physical health, um, overall health, really, routine, is to have a primary care physician. They are your, your baseline people. They will make sure that all of your annual tests are done and be able to figure out where you are in life and to be able to pick out issues before they become stage two, stage three, and stage four, right? So if you don't have a primary care physician, I strongly encourage you to find one. Now, similar to finding a therapist, how you find a doctor, right? You can ask friends and family. You never know who's going through something or have gone through something. Friends and family are a great place to start. Um, they know you, they love you and care about you. And so they're not going to give you a horrible recommendation. They may be able to ask their friends and family for recommendations and get those to you as well. I get calls all the time from people looking for assistance. So don't be ashamed or afraid to ask someone that you know and know that loves you and cares about you for assistance. 
Another place that you can go to for that initial conversation is you can look up on the internet um, and you can use the terms near me, but mental health services near me and your browser search engine, whoever you use will give you some places that are closest to you to be able to call. You can call, you can ask questions, you can let them know you're interested and seeing someone to talk to, um, they'll ask you questions about your insurance. They will ask if you've ever been in therapy before, if you have a preference for a therapist, and that's your opportunity to give them all the information that you have that, that you're looking for. You know, if you're looking for a certain type of person or someone that specializes in a certain thing, you can, in that phone call, have that conversation with the organization. So you have a couple of places to go to start. Now, here's the thing. It's going to take a while, usually from several weeks to several months to be able to get an initial appointment. That has always been the case. And it's just worse now because so many more people are looking to um, get the help that they, that they need. And so I don't want you to be discouraged when you call and they tell you it's going to be a while, which is why it's so important, again, to get services when you're at stage one, right? When symptoms are mild. Now, if you're at stage three uh, or stage four, you're in crisis, as always, you know, call the National Suicide Prevention Helpline or head to your nearest hospital. We have in our area uh, an adult trauma center. And because it's a, a level one adult trauma center, it has emergency psychiatric services. So at any point in any day, anyone having a psychiatric emergency can go to the emergency room and be seen. The same is true in other places. Um, I'm prioritizing trauma one institutions because they have every type of doctor you need on call 24 hours a day. But any hospital will be able to give you assistance if you are in an emergency, an emergent situation or if you or a loved one are in crisis. Again, I encourage you to start at stage one, but sometimes we're not there, right? We've already passed stage one and we've passed stage two and we're in stage three. And some of us make it to stage four and still don't get help and, and end up dying by suicide or another method of self-harm. I don't want that for anyone. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for anyone that you love or care about. And so it is incredibly important that we begin getting the assistance we need when it's a mild situation and to put shame aside, put the stigma aside. As we're working to change the conversation around mental health, it's, it's getting better, but it's not where it needs to be. And even though it's not where it needs to be, it doesn't mean you get to wait until it's comfortable to be able to talk about you and your mental health. You have to do it when you need to do it. And I cannot encourage you enough. I cannot impress upon you enough the importance of going um, as soon as possible, as early on as possible when you have those mild symptoms and warning signs. Again, we are creating our history, new history every moment of every day. And so as we wrap up, I wanna make sure that you have the number to the National Suicide Prevention Helpline. They are there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, free and confidential. So let me give you that number first. It's 1-800-273-8255. But what I want to 
let you know, and I didn't get a chance to say this earlier, is therapists, um, psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers, they have to keep your information private. Whatever you tell them is between the two of you. They can't go telling their girlfriends. They can't go home and, you know, tell their family about the stories they heard. Like they have to keep that information to themselves. So your information is private and confidential. No one will know that you're going to see a therapist unless you tell them. Your therapist can't tell anyone that they're seeing you. That's a a huge part of that building trust because you need to know that what you're sharing is going to be held in a, a private and confidential way. They are mandated and required by law to keep that information private. So I don't want you to feel as though you're going and you're telling somebody your business and they're going to go and tell your business to somebody else. It's not how it works. The other thing I want to encourage you to do is to always be honest. You know, it's tough to build that relationship and build that trust with the stranger, but it is so necessary that you are comfortable and able to do that. If you're uncomfortable with your therapist, give it a little while. That first appointment is going to be boring. It's going to be all intake. It's going to be all questions about your life and, you know, what brings you here and that kind of stuff. Give it a couple of weeks, a couple of sessions to really get comfortable in having conversations. If you still don't feel like you have a good vibe, that you don't connect well, ask them for a reference to see someone else. Their goal, their job is to help you be better. So if that means you get to see somebody else or need to see someone else, they want to help you do that. So I encourage you to advocate for yourself to speak up. And if you're uncomfortable or or believe you'd be comfortable with someone else, let them know and let them help you find someone that will better help you. So until the next time, I encourage you to be the light, to get the help that you're looking for and to be the help that someone else may need. Hi, this is Jazzy T. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Living the Front Seat Life with Kelly Marie. And we are so excited to welcome a new member of the Jazzcast Pros Network, Igniting Hope Radio with Pastor George, launching Friday, February 25th on all podcast platforms and directories. Here's a little taste of what to expect from Igniting Hope Radio. Jazzcast Pros. The social determinants of health are the non-medical factors that influence health outcomes. They are the lived conditions in which people are born, in which they grow, in which they work, in which they live, and in which they age. They are important influence on health inequities and the unfair and avoidable differences in health status seen within and between countries. The lower the social economic position, the worse the health. And so what we have to focus our energies and attentions on is the systemic changes that are necessary in our communities to make sure and ensure that every individual, and especially those in the African-American community who have suffered from years of historical and generational trauma as an outcome of enslavement, in all kinds of policies and laws that have been a constant threat to our very existence. And we're going to tell our story from our perspective, right? And that's what we're committed to doing here 
our Igniting Hope podcast, to bring health equity to our community. It's never been done in America. Well, now is the time. Now is the time. That was good, right? To get even more of this upcoming season, say, hey, Google, or ask Alexa to play Igniting Hope Radio, a weekly podcast that brings together community-based organizations to decode the social determinants of health and eliminate race-based disparities.